Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. These are stories and encounters with God that you need to treasure and keep and share with others. Somehow, as a church, we need to be able to pass on to the generations to come the stories of faith that God has wrought in our midst. I can still remember sitting down with older ministers, talking to them, and hearing the stories of faith of the things that God has done in the past. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see Changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. Are you sharing your experiences of God with the younger generation? As Pastor Ed shares in his message, these stories of faithfulness and God-inspired miracles are important enough to be passed down to other generations. A big part of leaving a legacy of Christ is sharing what has inspired the older generation throughout our walk with God. This is similar to the feasts, stories, and traditions that the Israelites used in order that the younger generation might know the miracles of Christ. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith The young, the old husbands and wives and children, and they were to set these stones up as a remembrance of what God did in their lives. The whole community was to participate. I believe they were a celebration of God's faithfulness, a celebration of God's faithfulness. In Joshua 4, 7, it reads, then you can tell them, remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant went across. God wanted them to have positive memories. He wanted them to have positive remembrances. He could have said to them, set up these stones and remember the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Remember all the years wasted. He didn't say that. He said, these stones are to commemorate my hand stopping the Jordan River from flowing and guiding you across. The enemy of your soul will sneak into your heart and conscience and mind, and he'll try to get you to set up memorial stones, but not God's type of memorial stones. I've seen people again and again set up memorials that destroy them spiritually rather than help them. They're stones of anger, stones of resentment, stones of bitterness, stones of disappointment. And they erect these memorials that lock them into defeat, that lock them in the past. God does not want you to set up a memorial like that. He wants us to set up a memorial that is celebration. Celebrating God's victory in our life. Now, one Christian woman who lived a very loose life, who was in the barroom scene for years, very promiscuous, was marvelously saved. And 
She was troubled by those memories of the past. She feared that somehow God would punish her now and punish her husband and punish her family. She should have remembered that it's all under the blood of Jesus. She should have remembered Micah 7.19. What happens to our sins? They're at the bottom of the deepest sea. He removes them as far as the east is from the west. God remembers them no more. See, there are some things that we need to forget, and those things which speak of failure and defeat are not to be harbored in our hearts because God has wiped the record clean. We sing, he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. See, our celebration is that God delivered us from that. We don't have to be troubled by that. So if your past is such that the enemy brings it again and again, just remind him of his future. And remember that God wants you to set up a memorial of victory. Someone has said, it was actually the Chicago Tribune who said, people need to appreciate that the past cannot be undone, but it must be gotten over. Hear that. It can't be undone, but it must be gotten over. When people are in a baseball game or a football or soccer, and they make a mistake in athletics, their teammates usually gather around them and say, shake it off, because they know if that keeps lingering in their mind, it will affect the performance of the rest of the game. And we need to sometimes say to believers, shake it off. Let the blood of Jesus cover it. Think about this Jordan as it parted. They're standing on the other side. The ark now comes out. And immediately when the ark comes out of the Jordan, the river again rushes down the riverbed. It fills up to the flood stage level. And it's almost like, I can't believe we were on the other side. And we came through. Have you ever looked back and said, I can't believe I did that. That was BC, before Christ came into our lives. The ability to be able to recognize God wants us to celebrate his interventions in our lives the victories that he has wrought in our lives. Not only is it something that we celebrate, it's something we commemorate. In Psalm 77, verse 11, it says this, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember miracles of long ago. When he talks about remembering, he's talking about doing it with affection, doing it with emotion having dear, precious memories, as it were. Sometimes God's people have spiritual amnesia. You know, our memory contains our autobiography, who we are, what we are, and so much of our life is wrapped up in our memories. To lose that is to lose our identity. Listen to the counsel that God gave to his people. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verse 14 says, Then your heart will become proud. You'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Verse 17, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hand produce this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God 
for it is he who gave you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant with you. See, we need to remember and not to have spiritual amnesia. I read about a couple, an older couple, husband and wife. They went to the doctor. They were having problems remembering things. And so the doctor said, listen, just write it down. And so this couple in their 80s went home, and they said, well, we're going to write it down. Well, they were sitting watching TV one night, and the wife said to her husband, he was getting up, uh, would you mind getting me some ice cream? He said, sure, I'll do that. And she said, you know, I think I would like some chocolate on that. You better write it down. No, 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 I'll remember, don't worry. And then she thought of another, you know, whipped cream on top of the chocolate. Uh, you need to write that down. And he got a little upset. He said, listen, I can remember it. Ice cream, chocolate, whipped cream. Well, 20 minutes later, he comes back. And he gives his wife a plate. It's bacon and eggs. And she said, I knew you should have wrote it down. You forgot the toast. <laughs> well, we need to try and remember and make sure we don't have spiritual amnesia. You know, this husband went in to see the Christian counselor, and the Christian counselor advised the husband. He says, listen, forget about your mistakes. It's not necessary that two people have to remember them. You and your wife, she'll remember it for you. Well, we need to be able to learn to forget certain things, but there are some things that we shouldn't forget. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. One day a policeman was going past a sort of a, a downtrodden part of the town. He saw a man acting very strange. And he went over and tapped the man on the shoulder and said, Sir, are you having a problem? What are you doing? He said, Oh, no. It's just that I was saved here in this mission. And every time I come past this part of town, I stop and I pray. Do you have a place that you remember where God met you? Maybe it was at these altars. I remember going back again and again to different places where God met with me. I especially would like to go back to my old home church in Brooklyn, New York, where I was saved as a 17-year-old boy. Now, that church moved its location to a new location. But in the old building, a Korean congregation had purchased it. And I remember knocking on the door, waiting outside, because I just wanted to go in the church, and I just wanted to kneel at the altar and remember when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. There ought to be sacred memories that we go back to again and again. Perhaps you'll journal it down. You'll remember that time where God met you. He answered your prayers. See, God was telling the people of Israel something very important. Erect these stones. And every time you pass, you'll remember what I did for you. It'll keep you from spiritual amnesia. It'll keep you from forgetting. God calls us to remember. What's the proclamation of these memorials in our lives? The purpose we looked at, the celebration of God's faithfulness. We looked at the commemoration of God's faithfulness. And now, 
the proclamation of the memorials in our lives. In 1 Peter 2.5, it reads, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. What Peter is saying is we're all a part of the body of Christ, and he's using this analogy of stones. We're being built up, and we all have an integral part. But I believe he was perhaps also making an allusion to these standing stones that are found throughout the Holy Land. If you were to visit Israel, you would see these standing stones. And they were monuments, testimonies to what God had done. When the children would come past and they would look at these stones, they would say, what does that mean? And then they would begin relating the story of what God did. See, they speak to our generation. In Joshua 4, 23 to 24, it reads, For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. I've heard people say that the Israelites, when they left Egypt, crossed what they called the Reed Sea. And it was only shallow. There's two questions I have. One, how did all those Egyptians drown in that? And second is, Joshua was speaking about the Jordan at flood stage, high. And it says, just like he opened the Jordan, he did the Red Sea. Liberals want to take the miraculous out of Scripture. Leave it there. Because we serve a God of the miraculous. We serve a God of miracles. Amen. In chapter 3, in chapter 4, again and again, you see the reference to the covenant of the ark of the Lord. It spoke of his presence. As soon as the ark went into the Jordan, as soon as the priests put their feet in, immediately the water stopped like a wall. It was heaped up. Could you imagine what that looked like? And they began to walk, and they went into the middle of the Jordan, and the water was held up a distance down, and the people just marched over. I could picture the Canaanites looking and saying, their God is the true God. Because this time of year, the water was at its highest, and Baal, which the Canaanites worshipped, was the God of the river. He was the God that the Canaanites worshipped, the God who was supposed to control the elements. God was saying, bring your best out. I'll defeat it. Because God is the true God and the only God. See, no matter what it looks like, no matter what the circumstances are like, God is greater than those circumstances. He's greater than those difficulties. He's greater than those impossibilities. He is God all by himself. Hallelujah. It was God's presence. Amen. It was God's presence that they noticed. They said, surely God's with them. Beloved, we need to see the presence of God in our midst. It would be a testimony to the Canaanites that God was with them because the miraculous was there. Would to God that people would look at faith assembly of God and say, God is with you. God is certainly among you. The testimony of his presence and his power is real and vital in your fellowship. We need a church, a community of faith that says, oh God, we desire for you to move in our midst. We desire your presence in our midst. And Lord, if you don't go with us, we won't go. They said, and according to Scripture, it says, they would see the hand of God. 
God's hand can be seen in our church. When we think about how God has spoken to us as, as a people of God, look what God has done in our past. Years ago, when the church was located on Market Street, with just a handful of people, if you would have pointed to that church and that fellowship of people, they would have said, that's inconsequential. But God, but God was with them. And by faith, they stepped out and believed the Lord. And then the church moved Oak Avenue. It was miraculous that they were able to do that. And by faith, they trusted God and believed God and prayed and moved from there to Spack and Kill Road. We have a history replete with the example of God's power and work in our midst. We ought to hand that down to generations. We ought to hand that down to those who come behind us. That's what God is talking about, the fear of God, that God is certainly among them. You know, I pray that we will speak to the coming generations. The miracles were done not just for them, but for their children, for the children that were going to come by and say, what does that mean? I'm so thankful that our young people know what revival is all about. You've seen people filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues at these altars. You've experienced the glory of God coming down in the church. These are stories and encounters with God that you need to treasure and keep and share with others. Somehow, as a church, we need to be able to pass on to the generations to come the stories of faith that God has wrought in our midst. I can still remember sitting down with older ministers talking to them and hearing the stories of faith of the things that God has done in the past. I think about Brother Greco telling me how God supernaturally led their church from one location to another. The congregation had been so committed to building a new facility. And they put their labor, their work in it, and built a beautiful facility, but they outgrew it. And his mother was the founder of that church, with, along with the father. And she was now just at home, she was bedridden, she didn't come out to church, and they were afraid to tell her that they had found a new location, a new church, and it was gonna meet their needs better. They were afraid to say anything to her because they thought, boy, it might upset her because so much of their life had been poured into this particular work on Neck Road. But he said one day when he visited her, she got up and she said, son, I had a dream. And in the dream I saw an archway and I saw the angel of the Lord in that archway. And she just began to describe this archway at the new Dutch Reformed Church that they were buying and purchasing and restoring. And she said, the angel said, as I was with you there, I will be with you here. How God had spoken to that godly woman. I remember the stories of faith that they shared at Bible college, how God led and guided them, and they became a part of my history. And I pray there are stories of faith in your walk with God that you are passing down to your children, 
and you are passing them down to your posterity. The greatest inheritance that you give them is not necessarily the money in the bank or the house that you leave them or the property that you might give them, but it's the heritage of faith, the heritage of God's faithfulness to you. I tell my children at times, and I'm so grateful this morning before church, both of my children called. And I talked to Ryan, and we prayed and talked to Melissa, and we talked about the Lord. And to be able to pass on to them stories of God's faithfulness, how he provided, how he took care of us. I was reading the story about a preacher by the name of Larson. This pastor pastored a smaller church. He wasn't able to make ends meet. He had four boys. They had a small uh, car, compact car, and they couldn't all get in the car. And so he prayed, Lord, help us. And God put it on the heart of some congregants to buy him a station wagon. Those four boys never forgot God's provision. What are we passing on to coming generations? God was concerned that these memorials will be set up that the children would not forget that God had given them this land, that God had opened up the Jordan, that God had given them the land of Canaan. See, they could have thought, listen, the Canaanites have gods and they have areas and the, the inhabitants of the land worship these gods and they live here and so we're no different than them. No, no, no. God never wanted them to forget that it was him that led and guided and directed them. Where in your spiritual journal are you talking about how God guided your steps? Where in your spiritual journal are you talking about how God has led and protected and provided for you. I encourage you, in my, one of my Bibles, I have one of my first Bibles, I have a, a word of prophecy that was given to me by my home church pastor. I remember as a young man going off to Bible college, my first semester, I prayed. I said, oh, Lord, would you just speak through my home church pastor? Would you give me a word? And that Sunday morning, they called us up and they prayed. And Brother Greco very, very rarely would give a personal prophecy, but that Sunday morning, he gave me a prophetic word that I wrote down in my Bible and that I've kept all of these years. Young people, what encounter with God have you recorded and kept sacred in your heart? Because the times of testing will come. The times of trial will come. And to be able to go back to those memorials to remember, God delivered me. I was just thinking of how Dan has celebrated his 40th birthday. And um, I shouldn't have said that, huh? <laughs> well, Dan could think back to a time that God healed his body. He remembers a time that this congregation gathered together and prayed, Lord, deliver him, heal him. And God faithfully answered. That's a memorial stone. What Peter was saying, he said, you're living stones. 
every one of us should have a testimony. We should be a living testimony. When people see us, when they talk to us, when they walk by us, they should know that our God lives, that God has done mighty things in our life, that He is the God who still opens the Red Seas and opens the Jordans and still performs miracles today. Joshua is one of the most mighty warriors in all of the Bible. From the spies who were hidden by Rahab to the story of the walls of Jericho, throughout this book of Joshua, Pastor Ed will continue to point us to the Lord, sharing with us wonderful insights each time he teaches. Though Joshua isn't a book many study, it is rich with content that we apply to our daily lives as we walk with Jesus. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com to spend some time getting to know us and to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith. At the website, you'll find today's message for you to listen to again, download, or even post to your Facebook page to share with your family and friends. Again, that's all available when you log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching verse by verse through the Old Testament book of Joshua. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word restores.